No my hearty Mikey Tan no and welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Coming up on the program just after four, we cross to a post-CAD press conference where, a, where the Prime Minister is expected to outline sanctions against Russia. And on that, just what can we do? Greenpeace says target the oligarchs, as that is how Putin is getting his funding. Russell Norman from Greenpeace joins us. And what is your most pressing concern right now? According to Consumer NZ's latest tracker survey, it is the cost of things. One economist says we'll be seeing inflation rising to the worst in decades. That on the panel. And a new report just released has delved into New Zealanders' reading habits. Men's reading rates continue to drop. But get this. Readers of local poetry were nearly twice as likely to be men than women. And on a lighter note this afternoon, a new trend in dating that might surprise you. It's called dry dating. Would you go on an evening date and forego that glass of wine? Maybe opt for green tea or nutmeg kombucha. Can you get to know someone over a kombucha or a non-alcoholic date? Tell us your stories. Text one. Text me 2101 or email the panel at RNZ. Our Manahiri today, Verity Johnson, columnist and commentator. Verity, kia ora. Lovely to have you on the panel. Kia ora, Wallace. It's lovely to be back. Also, Connor English, former head of, sorry, former CEO, rather, of Federated Farmers and chairman of Agribusiness NZ. Connor, are you there? I am here. Oh, oh loud and clear. Lovely to have you on. So we have Connor English this afternoon and Verity Johnson. And just after four, we cross to the post-CAB press conference where the Prime Minister is expected to outline sanctions against Russia. But to this first, as more and more of us end up self-isolating at home, what can and can't we do? Is it okay to leave the house to exercise, for instance? The answer may well Surprise you. With us is Professor Michael Baker from the Department of Public Health at the University of Otago. Professor Baker, kia ora. Nice to have you on. Yeah, kia ora, Wallace. Many people will be wondering about this. Is it actually okay to exercise outside when self-isolating? Yes, as long as you take reasonable precautions. I mean, one of the things we've learned about COVID-19 over time is that it's mainly transmitted as an aerosol in indoor environments. And we keep on thinking about the the three C's of confined, so that's indoors, uh, crowded if there's lots of people, and close, that's having close contact with even just one or two other people may be enough to transmit the virus. So if you can go outdoors and avoid that situation, it is relatively safe. So I'm not talking about going for a swim, for example, in an enclosed swimming pool, but I might be talking about a jog in the park. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's lots of reasons for encouraging that. I mean, obviously, exercise is good for your health. Mm. Also, it's tough being um, isolating at home for 10 days. So we want to make it as um, positive as possible for people with really only minimal um, uh, limitations, uh, limitations that really make a difference. And I guess, uh, Michael, when people are concerned about that mental well-being aspect, the fact that they are able to go out and, you know, maybe go for a jog jog in in an open park, that's quite the difference, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I mean, a lot of us would – I mean, that's one of the biggest complaints, I think, about um, the the, the typical 14-day MIQ experience was that people just felt quite confined, and it's, it's understandable. 
Well, we've got a panel here, of course, uh, Michael. They might uh, want a question or, uh, or, or a viewpoint. Connor? Uh, yeah, look, I've just spent 10 days uh, isolating in our, in our house with um, what started off as one person, oh. uh, COVID, and ended up with, um, with three out of the five of us who were there. Um, why do, and we've all got negative tests now. Why do we have to stay so long? Uh, why, why does it have to be 10 days uh, in the house? Well, it's because when you're infected, I mean, you've got two different scenarios here. One is you're a case and the other is you're a contact. And basically, if you're a case, we know that it takes about 10 days before you clear the virus after being infected. Uh, so that's just the biology and how it operates. For contacts, you're really looking at the incubation period. And again, we're um, now using the same length of time. In the past, it was 14 days. And that, again, you've got the, the incubation period and then how long you're um, uh, potentially infectious for. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, we, we did go for a walk in the bush. Um, you did? Because we back on the bush. Yeah, and, and we didn't see uh, anyone else there. And it was great to get outside, actually. Yeah. But for those people who aren't in that position where they are stuck inside for 10 days uh, all the time is, is pretty challenging. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Verity? I'm just curious, Michael, you um, said it could make you feel good about exercising when you've got COVID, but there's been a few reports that I've seen about how people are finding it really difficult to actually like even go for jogging and running with COVID. Is that something that you've seen a lot in the infection? Well, I'm not actually treating patients these days, but yes, yeah, some people feel really ill. And um, of course, if you're vaccinated and boosted, it's generally a mild illness for most people. Mm. But yeah, a lot of people won't want to go out and exercise at all. Uh, they will be absolutely wiped out. Yeah. Uh, and particularly if they mm. get some chronic effects from this. Now, Professor Baker, you also um, wanted to mention uh, rapid antigen tests. Many of us will be familiar with these uh, rats. What concerns, if any, do you have at this stage with how we are using them? Yeah, well, it's a massive shift from the PCR test, which, of course, was extremely accurate. And, of course, um, when the test was done, you knew who was getting tested and what proportion were positive and so on. And now we've gone to a system where it's much more reliant or totally reliant on people entering their information into a database, you know, my COVID record. And the concern is, of course, not everyone is doing that. And one of the other reminders to people is it's just as important or almost as important to enter a negative result as a positive result. Because that's telling us how many people are getting tested on any one day and what proportion are positive. And obviously this is quite hard work in some situations. I mean, not everyone is very used to using uh, uh, the internet. And of course, mm. we don't make it particularly easy for um, uh, for children or the parents of children because, um, uh, you, you know, um, if you're under 12, you won't have a MyCOVID record. You've got to actually ring up the health line. So uh, th these are barriers that, that may be quite hard for some people. All right, so make sure you do report those uh, results, whether they be negative or uh, positive. Uh, before you go, Professor Baker, look, just looking at the John Hopkins COVID tracker, just nudging 6 million dead, understood to be way more than that, and it's a topic on everyone's lips. We are now well into the new year, and that question is, what's next? What could the next year bring regarding COVID-19? What are your thoughts on that? 
Yes, well, um, the, the global burden is now estimated at 20 million deaths. That's using excess mortality. Good the grief. Great, the great news for New Zealand is using that same metric. We're actually 3,000 lives ahead. So we're one of, the, one of the only countries on earth that's actually gone in the other direction because we've managed the pandemic so well. And actually life expectancy in New Zealand's expanded by about eight months. So again, very unusual. I mean, this is uh, really a tribute to the success of the, the whole nation working together. So going ahead, you know, we are now joining the rest of the world with the, what will be quite a similar epidemiology with high vaccination plus a lot of circulating Omicron. And after the first wave, the world will return to a slightly uh, calmer place with less circulating virus. But for us in New Zealand, that will be more than what we're used to. And we can expect Omicron to hang around for perhaps quite a long time. And obviously, we're watching out for new variants. But it's so ferociously infectious, it's hard to figure out what the niche is for the next uh, virus. Ah, and just to remind us, that new variant, if it comes along, can go either way. It won't necessarily be less severe. It may be more severe or not. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, what what we're expecting is a new variant may get its um, niche by evading some of the immunity left over from Omicron and the vaccine. I mean, that's where the virus will probably go next. And we know it's very good at finding these niches, unfortunately. All right. Nice to have you on the programme. Kia ora. That is Professor Michael Baker there from uh, the University of Otago. So if you didn't know that already, uh, Connor obviously knows. He took a walk in the... Uh in the forest back in his house, uh, you can, if you are self-isolating at home, you can actually go for a bit of a, a walk, get some, take some fresh air in an open park, uh, and it might well do you good for a bit of mental health there. Uh, and also, keep them coming. One, uh, you know, it's pretty heavy news round, so on a lighter note this afternoon, we are talking about a dry dating. Uh, you go on an evening date. Do you have to have that glass of wine? Can you just have a green tea? Can you have a look a nice kombucha um, or a non-alcoholic drink? Tell us stories. Have you tried it or is it just too nerve-wracking? 2101 or email me the panel at rnz.co.nz. Verity Johnson, mm. I've been thinking. Yeah, um, well, on the subject of sickness, um, I was just thinking, I mean, I spent all of last week in hospital um, in the ED, so shout out to Auckland Central Hospital there, you were absolutely fantastic, Um, but it was a bit of a crazy time because obviously Omicron's hitting and the staff shortages were really apparent and like I was talking to my nurse, she'd just done, yeah, she just done like a 14-hour shift and there was nobody to hand over to and I was like, man, you must be wrecked. But A 14-hour shift, no one to (laughs) hand over to? Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and, well, that's what she was saying anyway. I mean, she might have been a bit brain tired there. But, I mean, you could feel the pressure that they were going through. But I have to say, despite all of that pressure, they were absolutely fantastic. I don't think I had a single bad experience from any of them. I probably would have seen 20 people. So the nurses and doctors out there in hospitals right now, you are doing God's work and you're awesome and thank you. And you need a pay rise now. Are you Okay. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all yeah. right. Um, I think everyone was more worried that I would go in and get COVID um, than actually what happened. And I didn't get COVID, so yay. But okay. Although, I mean, <laughs> I'd like to know how difficult or how um, awful it was for you, um, like given that we were just talking about being isolated on the panel. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Connor English, I've been thinking. 
Uh, yeah, well, Wallace, look, I've been thinking a wee bit about, um, you know, Shane Warne, who, who uh, very sadly passed away recently, but his ability not to take himself too seriously. You know, he had, he, he had uh, plenty <laughs> of challenges, you know, on and off the pitch, but he always had a sense of humour, um, you know, whatever was going on in his life. And I'm just wondering whether, you know, when you look at a guy like Shane and you look at New Zealand, you know, are we, you know, a bit guilty of taking ourselves a bit too seriously sometimes? You know, maybe we just need to enjoy the day a bit more. Um, you know, there's always stuff to get um, to get worried about. Um, but I'm just wondering whether we sort of overdo it a bit. Uh, perhaps we just need to lighten up a bit. And you, and, you know, when you look at our movies, New Zealand movies tend to be quite, as a massive unfair generalisation, um, a wee bit... Um, downbeat. Oh, they do not, Kyle. That's not a disgusting that thing. Whereas, <laughs> what, what about what about the piano? Actually, no, that's well, a dark one, isn't it? Whoops. Uh, what yeah, about well, what about you could reel off a list of uh, what about Once for Warriors? But uh, when you go to the Aussie movies, you get ones like The Merger or The Castle, and oh, when I love you watch those movies, at the end of it, you're sort of uplisted, and you feel like you do when you watch Shane Warne. Prove, so prove think- Connor, listeners, prove Connor English wrong. He reckons that New Zealand movies are down burgers. What's a positive, upbeat New Zealand movie? Yeah, I can't think of one right now, but there boy, must be one. Be a challenge. Two, but, one, but, ze- boy, yes, two, one, zero, one. Uh... Mm, can I think of one? I yes, think I'm we sure just I need can. To lighten up generally. Good on you, yeah, and yeah, uh, love it, Connor. Shame and- I want you great. Beacon for that. Yeah, I legend. Uh, Connor English uh, and Verdi Johnson with me on the panel this afternoon. Stay with us.